I bet Diane Sawyer never had to deal with crap like this. Hello, hello, hello. Happy 2023, guys. Yeah. This is our second episode of the year, but this is our first recording of the year. Well, I guess this is our second recording of the year. That is true. We did record (laughs) our Patreon movie the other day, but this is our first main feed recording of the year. Very excited to be back. Yeah, and it's also our first movie of the year because we have like the special um, first week episode which brings us to our theme of the month, new year, new movie. Yeah, we wanted to uh, do some movies that we've never done before. I personally am like in a stage where I'm like, I want to watch new things. Like, I think because we did so much rewatching last year that I'm like, I want to spice it up. I want to switch it up. So very excited to be covering some classics that we've never seen before. Yeah. There's so little overlap, I feel like, between what you've seen and what I haven't seen, or more like what I haven't seen and you have seen. Yeah. So we had to like (laughs) go through the entire list of movies. We picked a lot of stuff that you guys recommended. Mm -hmm. Um, We were really looking at like the top requested movies. So we hope you like the picks that we made. Yeah. It's a bit of an eclectic mix for sure. Yeah. (laughs) I guess the only through line is that they're all teen movies yeah that's true yeah but uh yeah we're starting today with a cult classic one that has actually been like very heavily requested for a while yeah so we're super excited to cover it do you want to tell the people what we have in store today absolutely we are doing the 1999 cult classic drop dead gorgeous this movie was wild yeah it was (laughs) so satirical like Mm -hmm. i did not expect and i mean the cast was absolutely studded like oh yeah star studded cast allison janney kirsten dunce amy adams in her film debut right yeah denise richards they're just all around great actors which also just strengthened the ensemble so well Mm -hmm. so mad that this movie has like shit reviews on like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. Yeah, no, I I really enjoyed it. It is like it's a very dark black comedy, that's for sure. I I feel like it's kind of akin to like a Heathers, but yeah, maybe takes it even further. Um, but let's let's get into it. Should we should we talk numbers? Let's talk about the numbers, baby. The numbers. So the budget was 15 million which is actually like a pretty big yeah. budget, I felt, for this movie. And unfortunately, it was a little bit of a financial flop. They only made $10.5 million at the box office. And I did watch the trailer for this movie, and I feel like tonally it really does not represent what this movie actually is. So. Okay. I can kind of see like why it might flop because it just looks like, oh, like this is just like a movie about pageants and not like this is a scathing black comedy satire. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the reviews from critics were mostly bad. I always think about that when I see certain movies like we've covered a lot where we're mm-hmm. like, do critics not understand comedy? 
I really don't think that they understand satire because the same thing yeah. happened with Josie and the Pussycats where they were like, right. oh my God, there's so much product placement, which is exactly what the film is critiquing. And I'm like, you've, you've walked headfirst into the point. <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> the thing about Josie and the Pussycats, or actually, I don't know if this movie has good reviews, but like the parody Brady Bunch movie oh, is yeah. like a very similar comedic mm-hmm. style. Yeah. Um, But I digress. I digress. (laughs) The screenwriter, Lana Williams, was a pageant contestant herself. And she is actually in the movie as Jean, the third judge, who I feel like there could have been like a side funny storyline with her. Mm -hmm. I thought she was going to like rebel back against Lester Lehman or something, but it never happened. She's on payroll. What can you do? Yeah. Obviously, we had like a very star-studded cast, as we said, you know, Allison Janney, we had um, Kirsten Dunst, Amy Adams, Brittany Murphy, mm-hmm. and Denise Richards, who I'm now realizing that I don't think I've ever seen one of her movies before. But I thought she was great in this. Like, I think she should do more comedy. I don't know, like, yeah. why she never, like, did anything more. Probably because this movie, like, quote, unquote, flopped. Mm-hmm. But she was 29 when they filmed this while playing a 17-year-old. That's insane. Yeah. She did look very young. I was like, yes, yeah. she absolutely look like a teenager. But, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed her performance. I was kind of surprised. Yeah, she played, like, just such a realistic, like, unfaltering funny character like the way that she played it was so confident and just like the words that came out of her mouth were so smooth I was like wait what like what did I just hear it's like my mom gave me this 39 millimeter for my 16th birthday (laughs) wild initially um they were thinking of Goldie Hawn and Sigourney Weaver for Annette and Gladys and I'm wondering if like the wording, it's like originally saw. And I'm like, does that mean you wanted to cast them and you, you simply could not? Because those are some really big names. Oh, yeah. Those are yeah. those are big ticket names, especially like in 99. Like mm-hmm. they would have been pricey. So I think either they said no or they couldn't afford them. Yeah. But I think they could have they would have done a good job. Yeah. Kirstie Alley was really good and i was gonna say like annette and loretta mm-hmm. have amazing chemistry totally like, the actors were a great pairing yeah ellen barkin who played annette was phenomenal oh yeah basically like from spoiler alert from the fire onwards the fact that she's just completely drugged up pretty much the rest of the movie <laughs> incredible she was great yeah well we'll talk about it later but there's a moment that's so fucking I, I felt, like, emotionally charged, but it was also just so fucking absurd. I'm like, that could be so many moments I'm excited to Yeah, right, to right. <laughs> So, as we mentioned, uh, Kirstie Alley is in this movie. She played Gladys. And she, I think, probably has the most, uh, probably, I mean, I'm not from Minnesota, so I don't know. But I think she probably has the most accurate Minnesotan accent in this movie, because mm-hmm. Kirsten Dunst, she kind of slips in and out of it a little bit. She's kind of <laughs> chilling, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that also they just let um, Brittany Murphy have a New York accent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were just like, sure, fuck it. But yeah, apparently Kirsty used Frances McDormand's performance in Fargo as her inspiration for Gladys, like using her dialect and her mannerisms. And that definitely came across. I was like, yes, this is a woman 
from rural Minnesota. Yeah, her characterization was spot on. I mean, it was a caricature. Mm-hmm. Not to offend anyone from Minnesota. I'm not I don't think you live a two-dimensional life, but yeah. it was very much like this is my personality that mm-hmm. I have decided to make my entire life. She's like I'm a mother and a wife. And then I'm a pageant queen. Yeah. Always <laughs> and forever. With that being said, we can jump in. Yes. But before we do. Before we do, if you've been waiting to get some new merch, maybe you're like, it's 2023. I want to change up my wardrobe. Mm. We are having a sale on Tee Public from January 11th. So today, when this comes out, to January 13th. And items are up to 35% off. I can't tell you exactly which items will have what sale because I just got this email from Tee Public. <laughs> but I would go check it out, um, especially if you've been thinking about getting something. Yeah, because also beyond just like shirts and sweatshirts, you can get our designs on tote bags or you can yeah. get a sticker or a phone case, all kinds of fun stuff. I think you can even get a pillow. I think so. And our design is Raymond the Lifeguard. Well, one of them is. Yes. So, are you telling me you don't want a Raymond the Lifeguard pillow? Our OG <laughs> respectful king? Yeah, pretty great. Um, with that being said, should we dive into it? Yeah, let's hop right into it. All right, take it away. The year is 1995, and we are celebrating the 50th anniversary of the nation's oldest beauty pageant the Sarah Rose Cosmetics American Teen Princess Pageant. We see this caption that a documentary film crew was sent to a small town in Minnesota to commemorate this occasion. And then we see the Sarah Rose Pageant commercial. It stars Adam West, (laughs) and he talks about the pageant and how it's been enriching the lives of teenage girls since 1995, 50 years ago. 1945? Yeah. And it provides opportunities for travel, scholarship, and you might even meet a few celebrities. Hey, Uh and the girls in commercial are like looking at Autumn West. There's a really funny part where he's like, and that's why you, and then it's like, you, teen from Mount Mount Rose, Rose, Minnesota, (laughs) should sign up for the, the Sarah Rose beauty competition. Which one of you will it be? And then it. You just hear like, and as the sand passes, so do the days of our lives. And it goes into the days of our lives. And that's when Kirstie Alley is like, she shuts off the TV. We kind of cut to this very barren high school gym. And Gladys, aka Kirstie Alley, is like, damn it, Iris, like, you DVR days of our lives over this. That's a tape. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> she just, oh, she just re recorded over the tape. But um, yes, she basically addresses the, I think, seven people mm-hmm. in the audience, the girls from Mount Rose. We basically meet Gladys. She is the local chairman of the pageant organizing committee. And she gets interviewed by this documentary crew who he has never seen on screen. But the only voice that we hear like of the documentarian is voiced by Thomas Lennon whose voice I recognized immediately. He's been in tons of stuff. 
Most notably for me, however, he is Ned in 17 again. Oh. But he's also in like Reno 911. Like he's done a lot yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I did not connect those dots. Yeah. Well, you never see his face. So. Yeah. Yeah. But basically, he asked Gladys to comment on the people who think that most teenage beauty pageants aren't great. What do you think? And she's like, Oh, yeah, I, I know what you big city bra burning <laughs> women libbers might say or like non-shaved whatever, whatever, like might say about the pageants and that they're old fashioned and demeaning. But things are you're going to find that things are very different here in Mount Rose. First of all, we're all God fearing folk. You won't find a back room in our video store. No, sir. Not here. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> So we pan through Mount Rose where we see like farming areas. There's a huge cow. It looks like a dairy plant and a gigantic sign that says the oldest living Lutheran lives here. And then they interview the mayor who's like, oh, yeah, that old broad was dead a long time ago. (laughs) But yeah, so they're staunchly Lutheran town. And we just see, like, images of suburbia. There are some kids playing in the front yard. Mm -hmm. Definitely not, like, a wealthy area, but um, pretty pretty middle class, lower middle class and stuff. We go into the car of Gladys (laughs) Lehman and Iris, the other chairperson. They're driving to the Mall of America to get outfits for the fitness number. Gladys is like, nothing too showy. Iris is like, you betcha. She's like, we'll need a third judge. Oh, and we need to think of a theme. As Gladys is driving, we see her like swerve. Iris is like, look out. She almost hits Father Donegan, who apparently has a drinking problem. Oh, my God. And Iris is like, that's why we Lutherans use Kool-Aid for the blood of Christ. So they get to the Mall of America and Gladys decides to park in a handicapped spot unbelievable crazy they need to run into the store to pick out some outfits and that is when inspiration strikes and gladys thinks of what theme they're going to be doing this year proud to be an american and like every other year they have done some sort of america related theme where it's like yeah i american or like by american (laughs) stuff like that so this is a pretty consistent theme And after this, we cut over to registration. And that is where we meet a very, very young Amy Adams playing Leslie Miller. And she's like, oh, I'm signing up for the pageant because I always watch them on TV and my boyfriend thinks I'll win. The crew is like trying to talk to her about her talent when her boyfriend comes up and just starts like making out with her like crazy She's having a great time. She's very into it. Um, Her and her boyfriend, you know, they're very into each other. Absolutely. (laughs) After that, we meet one of our main characters, Miss Amber Atkins, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. Kirsten Dunst. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm signing up because two of my favorite people, my mom and Diane Sawyer, both did pageants. But I hope to end up a little bit more like Diane Sawyer than my mom. (laughs) Hee hee. Hee hee. So Amber's talent is tap dancing. We also find out that she works as a hair and makeup artist for 
corpses at the funeral home after school. Yeah, she does. So uh, she's quite the multifaceted young lady. She's clearly like a hard worker, Mm -hmm. really optimistic. She's like, I'm lucky I have an after school job where I can practice my talent. Yeah. She's like tap dancing as she brushes like the blush on the cadavers. Yeah. Um, so we go back to the Mall of America and Gladys tells us that this pageant is extra super special because she was crowned Mount Rose's American Teen Princess when she was 17. And this year, her daughter, Rebecca Ann Lehman, is competing. So we go back to the gym and meet her daughter, Rebecca, played by Denise Richards, who tells us that This pageant is an important experience for every young woman. And then we learn a little (laughs) bit more about Becky. We are at the shooting range. Uh, We see that she is vice president of the gun club. And she tells us that her mom gave her this 9mm for her 13th birthday. And she wrote in the card, Jesus loves winners. That's why no matter what she does, she aims to win. And we see the target that she's shooting at. Bullets straight to the brain. All bullets in the brain. Literally crazy. So (laughs) back to registration. We then meet uh, Lisa Swenson, a.k.a. Brittany Murphy. And she's like, you know, if if you're 17 and you're not a total fry, this is just what you do. And (laughs) I will say, I I mean, I always love watching Brittany Murphy. She's such an incredible performer. But I think they were just like, you know what, Brittany, just – Go for it. Like, do whatever. She's right, having I feel like a blast. They didn't even give movie. her like a script. Like, yeah. I feel like she just kind of did her thing. Yeah. I, I feel like I've never seen her have more fun than in this yeah. role. <laughs> so, her talent is she's going to sing and dance to New York, New York. And mm-hmm. she says that she fell in love with the city when she visited her brother there and then pulls out all these photos of him. In drag as like various icons, Madonna, Barbara, yes, yeah. Also in her bedroom, she has just like all this New York memorabilia. She has like a giant Les Mis poster behind her. So she's destined for for greater things. She absolutely is moving to New York the second that she graduates to live with her brother. (laughs) Been there, done that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um. So then we meet Tess Winehouse huge German shepherd lover. Even though she was brutally attacked. (laughs) Yeah. And then we cut to Iona Hildebrandt, who is in the library, who was the Montrose winner of 1945. And she's like, I couldn't even keep my tiara because they had to use it for scrap during World War II. (laughs) And we see, like, the image of her winning. She looks gorgeous. Mm -hmm. There's also, like, two officers standing next to her with, like, the tin cans Mm -hmm. waiting for her tiara to, like, be putting them to use for scrap metal. Yeah. So then we cut to our next contestant, which is Molly Howard. Um, She was adopted three years ago by a Japanese couple to help them acclimate to America. This is a crazy. This is a crazy storyline. Yeah. This I think also is the first time that like the R word is used. It's used a lot in this movie, and it's quite jarring. But we learn that Molly's talent is to line dance, and her parents are very excited because it's very American. I did read in the original script that there was like more with 
the Howard's biological daughter. Yeah, I was wondering. Where, because she, like, comes in briefly. Yeah. And she says something in Japanese. She's like, when are we moving back to Tokyo? I hate it here. And in the original script, there is, like, a description of her character that says, well, her English name is Tina, but I don't know her birth name. And it's, like, she's intelligent, graceful, like, an ideal candidate Mm. for the pageant. But they, like totally shun her because she reminds them of their old Mm, life. Interesting. And there's even some lines where she's like, oh, I just finished like my concerto. Oh, wow. And she has like these lines where she's clearly like very inquisitive and intelligent Mm. and um, way more like interesting than this other girl who's kind of just whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a milk toast uh, gal. Interesting. So then we meet our next contestant, who is Michelle Johnson, and she is, like, actress extraordinaire, annoying theater kid. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, my talent is to do a dramatic monologue, and she either is going to do one from Othello or one that she has written based on the movie Soylent Green. <laughs> And she talks about how a lot of girls make the jump, you know, from pageants to acting. And then we see this fucking insane commercial starring a former pageant winner for the St. Paul Pork (laughs) Products Company. And (laughs) it's just, like, out of control. She's, like, (laughs) shoving hot dogs in her face and talking about the pork products. And she's like, I love it so much. I even work here now. And she's like one of the factory workers at the... At the pork plant. At the at the pork plant. So you never know. It could be a lucrative career in uh, acting. <laughs> oh, my God. So the next contestant is Janelle Betts, who will be doing an interpretive dance while she uses American Sign Language. And she's like, I have a dream of spreading sign language around the world. She's very earnest about it, but I can't tell if this is supposed to be like funny because American Sign Language is like American Sign Language, Mm. you know, and other like areas have different sign language or if it's like supposed to be like genuine. Um, Yeah. Well, at first I thought it was like, I was like, oh, maybe someone in her family is deaf or something. But no, she just really, she really loves ASL. Yeah. And then we cut to Tammy Curry. She signed up for the scholarship, and she is a varsity soccer team captain, runs track, and is the new president of the gun club. She's like, love those ladies. Um, (laughs) The Lutheran Sisterhood Gun Club. (laughs) Yeah. She says she has a good chance of winning, despite what others think. She beat out Becky for president of the gun club, after all. Cut to her riding this big old tractor through her parents like farmland i guess and she like looks at the camera she rides the tractor goes over the hill (laughs) huge mushroom cloud of fire that tractor blows up that was shocking yeah i I had no idea coming yeah like i know the movie is called drop dead gorgeous but i didn't think that that was like it's early on literal Yeah. yeah Um, So, yeah, we already have a death in the first 15 minutes of the movie. So we then cut to Tammy's funeral where Gladys is like, you know, sometimes it's hard to understand God's plan, but the show must go on. (laughs) And we then cut to this like high school bathroom where we see these more like 
alt gals. And one of the girls is like, oh, yeah, Tammy's death, not an accident. She got iced because she wins everything. And this time, someone didn't want her to. There's a conspiracy. So we go to the dance studio where we meet choreographer Cloris Klinghagen. Think like um, Miss Patty. Think Miss Patty from Gilmore Girls, except like much more cynical. (laughs) And a chain smoker, Yeah. yeah. I also thought that was like, this is like the anti-Miss Patty. This is like the Miss Patty from another universe. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, the crew picked a good year. I bet it comes down to Amber Atkins and Becky Lehman. Yeah. So after this, we cut over to the hospital where we see a sign that in one direction is the burn unit. And then in the other direction is like the eating disorder unit. Like they have a whole building for it. And they also have an anorexia and bulimia wing. It's pretty shocking. And that is where we meet Mary Johnson, who is the current reigning winner of, you know, the Sarah Rose Miss American Teen Princess Montrose chapter. And she is very anorexic. Like, she's quite ill. Oh, yeah. She's And she says, yeah, she says that winning really changed her life. And Amber comes over. She actually comes to visit Mary once a week to do her hair. And as she's brushing her hair, it's like falling out in big clumps. And the thing with this scene, okay, so this is kind of like emblematic of what doesn't quite work in the movie for me because like I did enjoy it, but there's some things that because the satire isn't super pointed at like the pageant world, it's kind of just like, pointed at everything where everything is fair game to be made fun of stuff like this or with Hank's brother feels more so like punching down at the individual rather than, Oh, if we're satirizing like the beauty pageant world and like Mm -hmm. what it represents and like all the pressures that it puts on like women that I could like get behind. But this just kind of feels like punching down on like people with eating disorders which doesn't really, like, work for me, at least, in, like, terms of comedy. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely incredibly dark. Mm-hmm. I think that Hank, the character of Hank, is definitely, like, not necessary. I don't see, like, really why it was added. But mm-hmm. I did like Mary Johnson because it was kind of indicative for me, like, she's the reigning queen yeah and everyone is so like they're just like so voracious to win this title mm-hmm. when the reigning queen is like on her deathbed she's right. like really unwell and i did find that juxtaposition pretty interesting mm-hmm. but i also think that her being here as we like can see amber's like oh i come here you know once a week and i do mm-hmm. her hair and i thought that was a really nice moment where we kind of understood more about the type of person that Amber is. Right, yeah. But it is like definitely, it's sad. Like it is Mm -hmm. really fucking dark. Especially when she later on in the movie goes to the pageant and she's like, she can't walk. She's in a wheelchair and she has an oxygen tank. And it's like really fucking dark. Yeah, I I feel like it it could have worked more if the satire was like a little bit more focused. Yeah. Because it kind of comes off almost as just like pointed at small town America at a lot of points rather than like 
the pageant world. So I feel like mm-hmm. sometimes it just kind of got lost in the sauce where if it was yeah. like super pointed of like our focus is the pageant world, I feel like it would have worked a little bit better for me. Mm-hmm. I do think that in the movie there they talk about the pageant world, but I think it's also a huge um, – there's a huge focus on like – in this case, Minnesota, but I think like any small town that you're like dying to get out of that right. you were born into. Yeah, totally. So this is when Miss Becky Lehman comes in and she does have this line that is incredible where she's like, lights, camera, and me without a stitch of makeup. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> That's a great Instagram caption, by the way. So she has shown up. She pretends that she comes to visit Mary all the time. And Mary just looks at her and she's like, who are you? And she's like, who am I? Oh, my God. This is just a silly little joke that we do all the time. Who am I? Who are you? It's me, Becky. And then she just like dumps some chocolates on her lap. And Amber's like, nice, Becky. She's anorexic. And then Becky insane covers her ear and she's like she's skinny not deaf unbelievable also an insane line (laughs) so so that happens yeah that's that's what happens and then we cut to amber's trailer well she lives in a trailer park and we're in the bedroom of the trailer Mm -hmm. and amber says that she has dreams she dreams of winning getting out of mount rose and being a big time reporter like diane sawyer and she says that guys get out of Mount Rose all the time for hockey scholarships or prison, but there's really no way for the woman to get out right. of Mount Rose. And so she shows the crew all the photos of reporters she aspires to be. Uh, and then we meet Amber's mom, who literally like barges in. She's like, I need you to get me some smokes. <laughs> and she sees the camera crew, and Amber's like, oh, um, they're here to – just like document my life um, and they wanted to see my bedroom and her mom is like well if they ask you to take your top off make sure you get the money first (laughs) and then walks out and she you can tell the character is meant to look like beautiful but haggard right like you could tell she's an ex-beauty queen like a quote-unquote cigarette mom you know like yeah she's like a, a milf but like chain smoked Mm -hmm. and i did think that this was like an unfair intro to the mom because she Mm -hmm. she is actually a really nice mom and cares about amber a lot yeah yeah meanwhile stark contrast we go to the lehman mansion it's like this huge house they're obviously like the richest family in town oh yeah then we meet lester lehman the patriarch and he is clearly like a little bit of a a lush he's a little bit of a drinker mm-hmm. and he's <laughs> showing the the crew his globe bar where it's like a globe and you open it up and it has like bottles of whatever in there and gladys is like oh well you know i am completely impartial when i'm at, when i'm at work when i'm doing my my beauty queen thing but we're in my house and here I'm a mother and I can say that Becky is the most talented contestant that the pageant has ever seen. Oh my God. So clearly very impartial. That's not going to bleed over into her work at all, obviously. So after this, we cut to information about the interviews and we get to meet the judges. Judge number one is John Doe. 
Spelled D-O-U-G-H. I did not realize until very late into the movie that that was a play on like John Doe, D-O-E. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I'm stupid. But that is very funny. I knew his name was John, but I did not even realize his last name was Doe until just now. Yeah. So he is a local pharmacist and it's his first time judging. So he starts to mention how he's actually never been around young girls and he's like, I don't find them attractive. I know that's what you're what that's what you're asking. Uh, I, I wouldn't get off in it. Did someone say something? <laughs> and we're like, no. No, no. Um, judge number two is Harold Vilms. He owns a local paint and hardware store. It's also his first year judging. And he ends up like fighting with his brother Hank, who is like mentally disabled mm-hmm. and that's like a whole other thing. Harold says, I'm so excited to be judging. Um, you know, I got it's like the best day ever. I also got asked to paint um the hall the same day, or like I think he's painting the Lehman showroom. Yeah, something like that. Coincidence, I think not. Mm-hmm. And they're going to use the money to get his late mom a proper headstone and move her to the cemetery. Yes. We then cut to the Lehman Furniture Store and Lester shows him around. He's like, oh, you know, let me know if you like anything. I'm the owner. And he's basically like this really slimy salesman. Oh, yeah. He's like talking to the customers like, oh, you know what? If you get that, like I'll throw in the hutch for free. And then like whispers to the camera like, little do they know the hutch is already included in the price. Um, He also like at a couple times in the movie, just like throws out some anti-Semitism, yeah, very casually, and he then like slaps his assistant's ass and then walks away. And that is when the title card says like Judge Number Three, Gene. So his assistant is the third judge. So they're they're all in his pocket. We all know what's going down. Oh, yeah. Miss Becky Lehman will be winning mm-hmm. the competition. And we have the first dance rehearsal. It's now a week before the pageant. I don't know where the time has gone. Yeah. And they hold these chairs above their heads. They rehearse the dance. This is happening in, like, someone's side yard, basically. Mm-hmm. They're obviously dancing and, like, working out, so they're wearing, like, shorts and tank tops. But – People have come from the neighborhood to, like, watch the girls rehearse. Like, pretty mm-hmm. normal. Yeah. People are, like, watching the practice. Except. <laughs> our judge, John Doe, is fucking creeping behind a van. And he also has a video camera. And he's like, oh, I just keep it in the glove compartment in accidents or. Yeah. You know, insurance. You know, insurance. Whatever. It's totally um, normal. You know. He's like, you have a camera. No one's accusing you of anything. (laughs) Unbelievable. Then we cut back to the dance rehearsal. The girls do like a jump off of a wooden horse and Tess lands on her crotch. And she just has to sit out the rest of the time with this big bag of ice on her crotch. Rough times, rough times. Yeah. So then we get our one and only kind of scene in the school before all the pageant stuff really starts ramping up. And we see that Amber also works part-time in the cafeteria. So she's hustling. She's making money, doing what she can. And 
While she is washing the dishes, we see that Becky goes up to the captain of the football team, Brett Clemens, and is trying to ask him out, trying to see if he wants to hang out this weekend. And he actually like dodges her. He's like, oh no, like I'm, I have practice tonight. And she's like, what about Friday? We're going to go and tip cows. And he's like, oh no, like I got stuff going on on Friday. Mm-hmm. But he's looking at someone else. Yeah. And Becky absolutely clocks that he is looking at Miss Amber Atkins. Mm -hmm. So they walk up to the window to give Amber their trays. Brett is like totally goofy smiling at her. He wants to like chat with her, obviously. But Becky is like, oh, my God, like give her the tray. You're holding up the line. And then she like tries to like take his tray from him. He's like, oh, no, like I'll, I'll wash it myself. He like sprays the tray becky dumps hers and walks off and brett's like sorry about that oh you got some you got some lutefisk in your hair and she's like oh must be wednesday then good for you amber <laughs> we learned that a uh, lutefisk is codfish that's been salted and soaked in lye for a week or so and it's best with lots of butter thank you miss iona thank you for, thank you for the info <laughs> so- Back in the cafeteria, Brett is like, oh, by the way, like, I I was just saying that I'm busy on Friday, but, like, I'm actually not if you wanted to do something. Mm-hmm. And Amber is very excited. And he actually seems, like, genuinely a very nice, a nice man. She's like, oh, I would love to. Oh, gosh, darn it. I'm probably going to have to work at the funeral home, you know. It's so busy this time of year. And they're like, yeah. Hunting season, LOL, <laughs> lots of dead bodies. <laughs> yeah. He's like, okay, well, I'm I'm leaving here early to go do some duck hunting, but maybe I'll call you tonight. And she's like, yeah, I, w- I would love that. And she's super excited. Then the camera crew like goes into the kitchen to talk to Amber and she gets super freaked out. And is like, oh my God, did Becky see you? Like, no, you shouldn't be here. Just stop by my house tonight and we can talk there. So mysterious what's going mm-hmm. on got some intrigue going yes so the camera crew does go to the trailer park and they're kind of like stalking outside a bit and <laughs> annette amber's mom notices them and loretta played by allison janney is there she's um getting her hair done by annette and she's like oh my god are we on cops again <laughs> and the crew comes into the trailer and Danette is like, no, no, it's for the pageant that Amber's in. They're filming all the girls. And the crew asks for Amber, but she's like, oh, no, they she just got called down to the Bone Gardens. Uh, she's in a hell of a mood today. Mm, what could be going on? Right. So Loretta asks if they've been to the Lehmans. And if so, they've got all the photos they need of the winner. And Annette is like, shut up, Loretta. Like, don't say anything. And Loretta tells them that Amber should win. She's the prettiest, a best damn tapper, and the most smartest. And Annette is like, a most smartest. You're cut off. Go home. <laughs> there's definitely like, Annette does not want Loretta to talk. Yeah. There's something going on. Yeah. We don't want to talk bad about the Lehmans. Right. So yeah. the crew asks Loretta why she thinks Becky is going to win. And Annette is like trying to push her out. But she tells them that they're the richest family in town. It's front page news when one of them takes a shit. And then she's like, uh, can one of you 
crew members give me a ride home. And Annette is like, don't let her fool you. She lives at two trailers down. She's like, so it'll be a quick ride. (laughs) I love Loretta. She is such a great character. Yeah. And um, I mean, as we'll see later on, she kind of is like, she's like a second mom to Amber. For sure. So, yeah, I really I really enjoyed their relationship and how Loretta's part kind of gets bigger as the movie goes on. Mm-hmm. So we then go to the funeral home. Amber's working away. She's working on one dead body, and she goes over to uncover another one, and it's Brett. <gasps> no. Yeah. He's got bullets right to the brain, right between the eyes. Brain bullet. Yep. That's Chekhov's gun for you. Exactly. They ask Amber if she's sad about Brett, and she's like, no, you know, it's just a hazard of the trade. And I don't have time for boys anyway. You know, like, I got a lot going on. And then she says, but it is strange that he was shot between the eyes. You don't often see that. Mm -hmm. Cut to... Becky Lehman loading her gun and the crew tells her about Brett's death and she's like, oh my, oh really? Well, hunting is dangerous with a fucking smile on her face and is like, anyways, here's this 30 yacht gun that I got for my 16th birthday. So obviously (laughs) Becky fucking killed Brett. Yeah. So (laughs) crazy. So we go back to the funeral home. Amber just gets reamed by her boss. He's like, the family out there is fucking steaming waiting for this woman. They say that she doesn't look anything like her. And she's like, sorry, I, I didn't think she'd want to meet her maker looking, looking like, like that. Looking like a whore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, this is the whore they know. And um, <laughs> then he tells her to make Brett look like he just got off a snowmobile. And she's like, I know, I know. Rosy cheeks, red nose. And <laughs> her life, she tells the crew that she's sorry, um, that she was, like, scared to talk to them in the cafeteria. But she found a picture of Tammy in her locker. And on the back, she shows us, it says, you're next. <sighs> spooky, spooky. Yeah. And the cops are like, yeah, well, we determined that uh, the tractor blew up because Tammy was smoking while driving. Case closed. I wonder whose pocket they're in. So we then go back to the funeral home and Amber's like, I don't know. Like, Tammy did drive her daddy's thresher because she thought that the heavy vibrations helped her think. But I knew her and she only smoked after a good drive. This is like a total innuendo. Yeah. We all, okay, okay. I just want to make sure, like, it's not just me being, like, mine in the gutter. Tammy is a lesbian, and she drove the tractor to get off. Yes, absolutely. And then had a a nice cigarette after. A nice cigarette after. (laughs) And she's like, I think Tammy was murdered. (gasps) You are right on the money, Miss Amber. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you know. I bet Diane Sawyer never had to deal with crap like this. <laughs> so then the funeral director runs in and he's like, Amber, you got to go. There's an emergency at the trailer park. And she's like, oh, no, my mom just said that last time she needed smokes. And he's like, no, there's been a fire. 
The drama oh is God. really like ramping it's, up. Yeah, they play the, that music. I can't describe it, but it's like that music that it's like some there's something crazy's happening. Yeah, and she we go to the trailer park. It, wreckage, fucking insane. Trailer is trash. Torch to a crisp. She like screams out to her mom. She's like, "Mom, mom!" And the <laughs> dumbass firefighters. Oh my god, they're like. Are you related to Lipteer? Like, are you family? And Dolores like, no, no. She's just crying out, mom, mom, for no reason. And Loretta tells her that her mom is alive. And we see Annette on the stretcher. And Amber's like, I'll be right behind you in the hearse. And Loretta's like, <laughs> Annette, don't let that scare you. <laughs> oh, my God. God, Loretta fucking kills me in this movie. <laughs> She's like, She's so funny. The tiny little lines. My actual, I think that my favorite joke in this movie is one that she says that's like so understated. I'll, I'll point it out when we get to okay, it, but okay, it, is, it is one of my favorite moments. <laughs> so <laughs> we go to the hospital. <laughs> the doctor's like, Oh, the crew's like, oh, was this an unusual injury? And he's like, oh, yeah, I've never seen anything like it. They They unwrap Annette's hand and (laughs) somehow in the fire, her hand has been fucking fused to a beer can. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. It looks fucking gnarly. And she basically explains that she sat down to drink a beer, and the next thing you know, she's kablooey, ass up in the neighbor's flower bed. But she does somehow in this in this explosion that happened, she had enough time not to put down the beer can, but to grab Amber's tap shoes and shove them in her panties before she fucking got yeeted out of the trailer yeah and she's like she's like oh yeah go find whoever cut my panties off and get your tap shoes so you can still (laughs) practice for the pageant so Um, i mean like (laughs) if that's not dedication to your child i don't know what is yeah it's also like such a stark contrast to like gladys who's also a pageant mom who's like i will kill for my daughter to win but Annette is like, I will fucking die for my daughter to win. Right, right. Yeah. She also has a really funny line where after they say the thing about like the beer can being fused, Annette's like, ruined a brand new pair of Lee press-ons. <laughs> and we see like the fucking press-on nails are all melty. Yeah. Fucking fused to that Miller High Life or whatever. <laughs> So Amber is obviously like very freaked out by this fire incident. So she is like, mom, I got to tell you something. And then she just like runs out. And then Annette is like, oh, my God, you're pregnant. You're pregnant. And she starts like, yeah, freaking out. But Loretta goes after her. So Amber and Loretta talk in like the waiting room area And Amber tells Loretta she's quitting the pageant. And Loretta, like, freaks out. This candy striper (laughs) comes over. Really poor timing. Mm -hmm. She's like, can I cool things off with a mint? (laughs) Loretta goes, do you think a nice cool mint would help if I shoved it up your ass? (laughs) Amber is like, 
I don't know, like, what should I say to my mom? And Loretta's like, hmm, maybe say that even though she sacrificed everything to bring you into this world and be in the pageant, I'm quitting. Amber is, like, distraught. Like, she doesn't know what to do. In the room, Annette is throwing shit at the candy striper. And she's like, don't come back in here unless you're carrying lucky strikes. (laughs) And Amber goes into her mom's room and tells her that she's not pregnant. But she's like, there was this picture of Tammy and I'm going to quit the pageant. Annette whacks her on the head with a beer can. (laughs) That shocked me. I know. I I was like, is that improv? Amber's like, ow. And then she's like, leave, leave. Loretta, go. Oh, can you give us a minute? And like it shoves out the film crew. So they secretly film outside while Amber and Annette argue about her quitting. And Annette tells Amber that if she had a do-over, she'd start walking out of this town the moment she could. The only thing she wouldn't do differently is have her. Oh, yeah, it's sweet. And this pageant is Amber's ticket out of here, and she knows she can win. So they hug, and she's like, love you much. And she's like, love you much. And I thought that part was so endearing and sweet. Totally. Even though there was a fucking beer can fused (laughs) to her hand. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's good satire. Oh, totally. Yeah. So we then have a quick cutaway to the, the brilliant police of Mount Rose, Minnesota, who are like, Oh, the Atkins fire. Well, after a thorough investigation, we concluded there was no foul play. Must have been bad wiring. Okay. Very helpful. We then arrive at, what is it? Is it like a bar or like a, where do they go? It's the VFW. VFW stands for Veterans of Foreign Wars. Mm. So it's a bunch of, like vets can go there. Mm. I don't I don't know much more than that. I had to look it up. Yeah, no, no idea. But they go there for their one-on-one interviews with the judges. Mm-hmm. Gladys reminds them that American teen princesses do not cross their legs like streetwalkers and also reminds them that the judges are just as nervous as they are. We then cut to the <laughs> judges like completely stone-faced and fucking out of it, except for John, who is like chomping at the bit to get the young girls uh. in there. So the first question that they serve up to these ladies is, if you could be any tree in the woods, what kind of tree would you be? And we get a couple of different answers. Dogwood, bonsai, and then Amy Adams just goes, green. (laughs) (laughs) We get some other various answers. Um, More notably is Becky's, where she says, one with strong roots in a community like Mount Rose, with a solid Christian trunk and long, oh leafy branches to provide shade for disabled kids on a hot summer day. We then get like another one of these moments with Hank that they just like throw in there for no reason other than like to be cruel, where there's like this through line about how like his pants are open like this entire time. I did read in the. Again, how factual is IMDb, but they said that Hank was added because in screenings, males didn't find any of the male characters relatable. So they added Hank. And 
at first I was like, wait, what? And then now I'm wondering if that's like supposed to be for the male humor. Like I guess men would like enjoy, which is insane. Would, yeah, which is like, crazy. Yeah. Holy shit. That kind of makes more sense because it does feel like very out of place. Yeah. With the rest of the movie because he has no he's not there for any sort of plot purposes. He's literally just there to be like a punching bag. Yeah. That does kind of track for me. But in any case, that is what's happening. They also ask them who they would pick to be president, dead or alive. Mm-hmm. Becky says, my mother, because she would solve world hunger with one of her blue ribbon rhubarb pies and create world peace with one of her prayers and still find time to look beautiful for my dad, Lester Lehman. Jesus. Fucking insane. Then it's Amber's turn to get up for her interview, and she has a whole separate list of questions, unlike everybody else. And what they ask her is to name and spell all the United States in alphabetical order, which I would not be able to do. It's a lot to ask to mentally arrange them in alphabetical order. and Yeah. But she does it. Yeah, she does do it. She starts off very tentative, and then it's like, Three and a half minutes later, and she is like confidently finishing the list. West Virginia, <laughs> Wyoming. <laughs> and they're like, that is correct. Good job. So can't keep Miss Amber Atkins down. No, you cannot. So we cut back to Mary in the hospital, and she says that with two weeks until the pageant, last year she was practicing her talent, finishing her costume brushing up on current events, and running 18 miles a day on about 400 calories. She was ready. Jesus. That's the black humor for you. Yeah. Yeah. And that moment I feel like worked because it was like directly – Yeah, it was like directly related, related to like to the, 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 pe- the pageant pressures. Yeah. Yeah. So we go to the dress rehearsal. The girls have their stations like set up in the hallway with the vanity mirrors and the light bulbs <laughs> and stuff. And – Leslie's like, oh, I'm really nervous. Uh, it's been about two months and I, I haven't told my boyfriend. How do you know? And the crew is like, I meant about the pageant. And she's like, oh, yeah, like I'm nervous about the pageant. <laughs> so she's pregnant. Yep. Becky shows off this like rhinestone poodle skirt made by one of her father's many Mexican workers oh, that he God. lifted out of poverty. Yeah. And then Amber says that all her mom's clothes melted onto hers, but by some miracle, their neighbor actually found her tap costume on the roof of their trailer when they were setting up, like, animal traps. Raccoon traps. (laughs) And it was still on the hanger. Like, can you believe that I had, like, the (laughs) heebie-jeebies? And I'm like, hello out. Because, again, this is, like, the neighbor was definitely wearing the dress. Yeah. And – then pretended like they found it. Yeah. So Janelle then suddenly runs up to Amber and she's like, oh, my God, can we switch um, numbers, please? Like, my cousin uh, just had a deaf baby and I get to go see it, so I need to go first. This is, like, life-changing for her. She's like, there's finally a deaf person in the family. Yeah. Just keep this in your brain for later. Iris in the beginning is like mm-hmm. – Okay, Gladys said it's imperative that we all go in show order. I also don't know if we mentioned this, but Iris is played by 
Mindy Sterling, who you may recognize as one of the lesbian moms in the How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I did. Yes. We then go to the dress rehearsal. Janelle goes first. She's doing her ASL interpretive dance. And we cut to Gladys and she's like, you know, this is a hard time for me because this is the moment in the pageant when you realize that all these girls but one will walk away a loser. And it's so hard for me to know what that would feel like. <laughs> like I've never – I don't know what it would feel like, but I can't imagine it feels yeah. good. It sounds crazy. Suddenly, a fucking light falls from the grid right on Janelle's head. We're not talking about a light bulb. No. We're talking about a big metal stage light. Those things are fucking heavy. Like, you yeah. could die. Yeah. Because we, we had to do a lot of uh, stage crew stuff in college. It's like part of your requirements, hanging lights and shit. That's like a three-person operation. You have to warn everybody when you're going up there. There's also these like safety oh, chains yeah. and Someone stuff. holds the ladder. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are safety yeah. chains. So so this has been tampered, tampered with. Yes. So Amber is like, oh, my God, I was supposed to be in that slot. That light was meant to hit my head. And she's like, I owe my life to that deaf baby. And Becky just like mm. walks away, doesn't even care. We go back to Amber's. I guess we're at Loretta's because they're, yeah, Amber and yeah, her mom so. are staying at Loretta's place. And Loretta comes over and gives Amber like a fucking stiff drink and is like, here you go. Your mom wanted you to have this. She's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And Loretta's like, okay, fine. Like, I wanted you to have it so you could get some sleep. Oh, my God. And then Amber goes, Loretta, never have kids. And Loretta's like, God love you for thinking I still could. <laughs> <laughs> Loretta oh then is like, I have something for you. And this is also a very sweet moment. She pulls out a brand new dress for Amber to wear at the competition since hers got torched. And it is like a very classy, it's like a high neck. We got mm -hmm. a little bow. And spaghetti straps. Yeah. Amber is super excited. She's like, oh my God, it's just like Diane Sawyer's. Mm -hmm. So we go to the night of the pageant where Loretta wheels in a pretty drugged up Annette into the <laughs> hall. And the competition begins. Gladys comes out on stage. In a lemon meringue number. <laughs> That's so specific. She wears like eight different dresses throughout yeah, the entire night. She is the most well-dressed <laughs> person on stage throughout the night. She is like, well, this is my time to shine. Mm -hmm. So she welcomes the crowd and she's like, all the contestants have one thing in common tonight. They're all proud to be an American. <laughs> So the girls enter down the aisle wearing different landmarks on their heads, looking like parade floats. Like there's Mount Washington. Wait, not Mount, Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Oh, my God. And a United States thing. There's Statue of Liberty. Mm -hmm. So then we see Becky who says, I chose Mount Rushmore because to live in a country where you can take an ugly old mountain and put faces on it. Faces of great Americans who did so much to make our country super great. Well, that makes me, Rebecca Lehman, proud to be an American. <laughs> then we have the Washington Monument. 
incredibly phallic, just like the Washington Monument makes me Leslie Miller proud to be an American as she's like dipping and like holding on to the monument. (laughs) Washington Monument. Her boyfriend loves it. He's going wild in the crowd. Oh, yeah. He's freaking out. And then we get the gracious Amber living in a country where no matter who you are or where you come from, you can grow up and become what you've always dreamed of. Makes me Amber Atkins proud to be an American. Is she supposed to be like the electoral college? Like what is she supposed to be? I think she's just like the United States, like oh. a map of the United States. Oh, I guess there were some red and some blue. Yeah, because there was some red and some blue and then some that were silver though. So I was like, what does this mean? I don't know. Who knows? And then <laughs> it's Tess, right? I think so, Tess yeah. Tess this one. She's like, my uncle built the world's largest ball of twine in Bunty, Minnesota, and it makes me proud that I'm an American. I kind of misunderstood the assignment. <laughs> It's just like a huge ball of twine yeah. on her fucking hat. So after this, um, you know, glistening opening number, the girls go into the hallway to get ready for the fitness competition. And that's when Amber notices that her dress for the talent portion is mysteriously gone, even though she had it earlier. And Iris comes in and is like, oh, ladies, we got to get ready for the physical fitness routine. But Amber is really pissed off. She actually ends up going over to confront Becky about, like, stealing her costume. Mm -hmm. And Becky's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but, like, you're throwing around some pretty big accusations. So if you want to say something, just say it. And the two of them end up fighting uh, Iris has to come and break it up, tear the girls away from each other. And I can't remember if it's in this moment, but I think that Amber goes like, I don't like her. And somebody's like, nobody does, like in the background. <laughs> so tensions are running high at the oh, yeah. Sarah Rose Miss American Teen Princess competition. Meanwhile, on stage, Gladys introduces the current reigning princess, Mary Johansson. She is wearing a dark curly wig and she is lip syncing to Don't Cry Out Loud and her nurse is like wheeling her around the stage as she lip syncs. This is an interesting scene because I also felt like it was the first time she was performing and she does have like a very endearing quality to her and a very gentle demeanor and it was super sad to watch. I was just like so sad to see yeah how she was probably like a pretty vibrant teen and then just deteriorated. Yeah, and like that juxtaposition is really highlighted in the fact that she is very frail and ill and does have this like very gentle smile on her face and then the oh god, who's who's she lip-syncing to? It's Melissa Manchester? Yes, Melissa Manchester has this very, like, full, deeper, like, really booming voice that obviously, like, does not match up with the girl that we're seeing on stage. Yeah. So after this, the ladies are getting ready for their physical fitness number, but all of the ladders are still wet because they have just been painted, Everybody's hands are, like, sticking to them. They're getting paint everywhere. 
The girls are about to go out for their number when Cloris comes over and she's like, okay, guys, the opening number looked good, but you know, now you guys actually have to dance. And then she gives them all Vaseline to put on their teeth because that way they will have to smile big because it's like fucking disgusting and you don't want to like taste it. Put it in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And she says, hopefully that will detract people from looking at their feet. The girls go out for their big number set to Conga by Gloria Estefan and MSN. And it's so funny. It's like, Come and shake your body. Let me do, do that. Yep. And as they continue the routine, they just get progressively more paint on themselves. So, like, they sit on the thing at one point and they have like paint on their ass and then they have it all over their arms. Kirsten Dunst is kind of like pumping it out. Like, she's yeah. good. She, yeah, she's definitely the best of the bunch for sure. Yeah. I was kind of surprised that they didn't use red paint. I felt like that was the more obvious joke Mm -hmm. because they like sit on it and get it like on their butts and stuff. So like it would look like a period stain, but no, it was blue paint. Christina, why weren't you in the room? (laughs) And it put me in the fucking writer's room in 1999. (laughs) Yeah. So. Meanwhile, John Doe is, like, fucking drooling right now. This is, like... Oh, God. It's crazy. (laughs) Once they finish, John is leading the applause. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone claps. Of course he is. It's gross. (laughs) So backstage, the girls are trying to get the paint off with, like, fucking turpentine or something. They have, like... It's either, like, paint thinner or something insane. They're putting to- they're putting toxic chemicals on their body to get this paint off. I guess they thought off. it was rubbing alcohol. I don't know what turpentine is. It's used in soap and cosmetics and is also a paint solvent. Okay. Yes. Yeah, because the one I'm seeing, it's like, Blick Art Materials, yeah. get your turpentine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. While this is happening, on stage, Iris introduces Gladys – who was the Mount Rose American teen princess 17 years ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> Upon hearing this introduction, Lester just immediately lights a cigarette in the audience. And also, earlier on, I believe Annette is smoking in the audience. Yeah. Like, people are lighting up right now. Yeah. So Gladys comes on stage in a similar outfit to the one that she wore when she won. And she tells us she won the talent competition by sewing these culottes and they still that she's fit. currently wearing yeah, and they still fit <laughs> fucking insane that she's like and now a dedication to me right <laughs> 17 years later mm-hmm. so she introduces tess as the first talent contender and tess just has like the fear of god in her eyes as she steps she's out she's looking gray yeah she's not looking well <laughs> and the woman went pale <laughs> so backstage We see Amber, you know, really upset about the fact that her dress is gone. You know, she just wants to tap and she would at least have liked a chance to compete. Plus, she wanted her mom to watch her perform. Meanwhile, in the background of this whole scene, Leslie is making out uh, vigorously with her boyfriend. We see Tess's number. She... Her her talent is to imitate various uh, dog barks by breed. (laughs) And then the iconic German Shepherd. (laughs) She's an icon. She's a legend. Yes. So backstage, 
Chloris goes up to Amber and is like, Amber, please take this black. Like, it's like a very simple black dress leotard situation. And she's like, it's not special, but you have talent and you don't need to hide behind sequins. Hell yeah. get out there and kick some Lehman ass. Amber is very touched. She gives her a big hug. So Amber's going to get to perform after all. Or is she? We'll have to find out. So the next person to perform is Lisa. She does a chair while two wrestlers wrestle. I'm wondering if one of them is her boyfriend. It was pretty like homoerotic. So I was like, (laughs) what's going on here? And then she's like, go muskies. The actress girl does her dramatic reading of a Soylent poem set in 2024. I know. I was like, wow, the future. I was like, <laughs> we know what Soylent is. Like, I did look up the movie Soylent Green because I had never heard of it before. It's like a sci-fi movie. I've heard of it, but only in that one of our friends, it's, we can include his name or not, but Cameron came across this dating profile of a girl who – it's like, we can go out if you guess what movie this is and had a bunch of like emojis. And we, we did so much research to find out like, like what movie is this? What oh, movie I is remember this? this happening and nobody, we okay. could never figure out what the movie was. It was Soylent Green. Well, he, he was like, I think it's Soylent mm. Green. Like this all makes sense. And I think he sent a message to her and never heard back. Oh my God. Like, I don't know if they ever, if he ever got like firm confirmation, but. It's. It seemed to be Soylent Green. Wow. Yeah, because I remember that happening because I also sent it to other people being like, do you know what movie this is from? Please yeah. help us. Yeah, I think we like posted it. Yeah. So while this is happening, backstage, Amber tries to talk to Iris about like still performing, but Iris says that she's not allowed to wear a new costume because the rules state that all costumes have to be approved by Gladys in advance of the competition, uh, which is fucking bullshit. And Amber is infuriated. She's like, even though my costume was stolen, like you're just pretending not to see what's going on. And mm-hmm. she even like, I think says to Iris, like this is bullshit. So yeah. And she's like, excuse me. <laughs> she cusses. So she then goes over to Gladys and is like, Gladys, I'm going to be doing my tap routine in this costume. And Gladys is like, oh, no, honey, I'm afraid that you had to have your your outfit approved a week before the pageant. I I can't possibly approve that skimpy little thing. There are kids in the audience. So fucked. Mm -hmm. Shit is rigged. Amber begs her to let her perform because she didn't do anything wrong. And Gladys is like, that's my cue. And then goes on stage. So Amber runs away in the hall. And the ladies come for Amber. They're like, this isn't fair. Lisa offers her costume to Amber and tells her it's already approved. So she is allowed to wear it. And she's like, I don't have to compete. You know, my family only needs one Liza. And my brother's legs are much better. (laughs) LOL. And Amber tells her that her parents would kill her. And Lisa's like, I know they love me, but they only had me because Peter needed a kidney. Oh, my God. So. I got to meet this elusive Peter. Like. I know. I want the spinoff of, like, Lisa and Peter. Take the big apple. Ooh. So on stage, 
Gladys introduces contestant number six, and she says, it is with overwhelming pride that I introduce contestant number six, who also happens to be president of her class two years running, a member of the honor roll, and the new president of the Lutheran Sisterhood Gun Club, Rebecca Ann Lehman. Oh my God. So Rebecca (laughs) arrives on stage and begins to sing, I can't take my eyes off of you, just very poorly. Well, first she she has a little a little moment to the audience where she's like, the rumors are true. I yes. do have a special fella in my life, and I wanted to sing a little song just for him. <laughs> can't take my eyes, eyes off, off of, of you. you. <laughs> so after a little... Verse or two, they wheel in (laughs) a big, huge cross with a mannequin Jesus on it. And Becky dances around the stage with the Jesus on a cross. It took my breath away. It was was (laughs) shocking. I did not know what I expected. To, I, I thought it would be Jesus. I thought the man would be Jesus. Right. But I didn't expect that yeah. at all. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I had no I had no clue that that's where that was going. It was shocking. Yeah. Denise Richards, you put your whole richesy into that <laughs> performance, and <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> oh, my God. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe she did deserve to win because that was insane. <laughs> so after this whole nightmare, Iris comes out to get Lisa for her number, but Lisa tells her that she's dropping out and she gave her mm-hmm. costume to Amber. So Iris has to like scurry on stage, tell like whisper to Gladys the news, and Gladys is like, well, um, it appears that Lisa has dropped out of the competition, but we have one more contestant. Contestant number eight, Amber Atkins. And (laughs) Amber comes out on stage. She does her little tap routine. She's definitely like the most talented out of all of the girls by far. I liked this tap routine. I felt like it was what I wanted to see in Save the Last Dance. Mm, Yep. (laughs) Like an exalt exaltation of like this thing that she'd worked so hard on she's like so happy to like perform it too she just looked in insanely excited yeah definitely i mean if we're if we're if we're talking in the grand scheme of tap you know it's nothing crazy it's nothing yeah she's no prodigy but she does a great job she has a lot of great stage presence going on. She's having a good time. Yeah. She has like skills. She has some talent. It's the kind of thing where it's like, oh yeah, this is like amazing for this town. But like maybe if she was in a bigger, bigger pond, it might not be quite as impressive. But yes, she definitely is the most talented out of all of these girls for sure. So she does get like a huge round of applause. She gets a standing ovation. People are very excited. And Gladys quickly comes on stage to get everybody to fucking shut up because she clearly just outshone her daughter and is like, all right, now it's time for the judges to go make the toughest decision of their lives. And the judges leave the room to deliberate. Sorry, I just needed to look up this tap dancer. I was going to say 
She's no Savion Glover. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I was like, wait, I want to make sure I know his name first. Great tap dancer. So yeah. anyways, <laughs> the judges are in this back room and the crew comes in and they're like, do you know who you're going to pick? And John is like, well, we've got to like compare scores and and figure out a winner. We have no idea who the winner is. And Hank is like, I know who the winner is. I know who the winner is. And John ends up like standing on the table and tackling him. Crazy. Everyone is unhinged. Yep. Meanwhile, the girls are waiting backstage. And Leslie asks if anyone has talked to Janelle. And Amber's like, oh, I I brought her some flowers yesterday morning. And she's super happy because the blow to her head made her deaf. Her dream has been actualized. Also, again, Amber, just the sweetest gal. She's like, yeah, Agreed. I stopped by this morning. A sweetheart. Sweetheart. While this is happening, Becky is just like pissed that the results are taking so long. Just being a super mega bitch. Yeah. And then Iris comes out to tell them. It's time. Yes. So the girls all get on stage and Gladys announces the second runner up and winner of, and this was shocking to me, a $50 scholarship to the Votech of her choice. 50 whole doll hairs. Yes. The second runner up is Leslie Miller. So Leslie's boyfriend jumps up fucking tears off his shirt where he has written <laughs> Leslie kicks teen princess ass. Leslie runs up to collect her trophy and her flower. She's super excited. And now for the first runner up who gets a $75 scholarship. Miss Amber Atkins. Oh, all the girl like everybody goes to hug Amber because obviously they love her. She's great. Yeah. She goes to collect her trophy and her flowers. She's like, you know, putting on a smile, but of course is disappointed. She did want to win. And now it's time to announce the winner of the $500 scholarship courtesy of Lehman Furniture and an all expense paid trip next weekend where she'll be competing for the title of Minnesota Teen Princess. Gladys doesn't even like fully open the envelope. She like can't get it open and she's like, yeah. oh, whatever. It's my daughter, Becky yeah. Lehman. And everybody claps. She wins. She's so excited. Right. Gladys literally fucking tears the tiara and sash off of Mary and goes to mm-hmm. put it on her daughter. So <sighs> no justice in Mount Rose. No justice. I was kind of like wondering if maybe they were going to like switch it up yeah. or maybe like – because she doesn't open the card fully and then maybe Mary picks it up and she's and like, it says Amber. says Amber Atkins. Yeah. Yeah. But I also no. thought that like this would be the end of the movie, but it actually goes on yeah. even further. I would further. say this is the natural end of <laughs> yeah. the movie, but I did, I liked what they pulled out, you know? Oh, yeah. Me too. Me too. So after the ceremony, everyone leaves the hall. They're heading out, and Mary and Annette get loaded into the ambulances, their respective ambulances, not the same one, mm-hmm. to go back to the hospital. And Leslie is stoked thinking that she got second place. I think her boyfriend tells her she actually got third place. Yeah. But either way, she's, like, happy. Mm -hmm. 
they ask Amber if she's disappointed about not winning. And she's like, well, it, like in tears, at least I, I got to compete. And, you know, my mom got to see me dance. I guess the number eight only worked for Diane Sawyer. <laughs> then we cut to Lisa's dad and he's like, was it worth it to quit? And Lisa's like, yeah, Amber should have won. And her father's like, Peter never would have pulled shenanigans like this. And then Lisa breaks the news to her parents that Peter is gay. In an insane way, too. She's like, yeah, well, Peter's gay. He's gay. <laughs> Dad is shocked. And I'm like, you must know that he is performing. Like, I don't, it doesn't seem like a secret that he's like yeah. performing as Eliza Minnelli and Barbara mm-hmm. and. Yeah. Yeah. They're proud of Peter. They love Peter. Yeah. Like, he's the golden child. It's true. So Becky tells reporters how excited she is that she's the winner and she's going to go to state. Then we have this big-ass town parade to celebrate the new American teen princess, which is, of course, paid for by the Lehmans. Duh. We have this, like, giant swan parade float. And Becky doesn't want to go to the top of the float because it smells like gasoline and her dress is going to reek. But Gladys is like, it's from Mexico. Everything smells like gasoline. Get up there and smile big. So she does. Becky does go up to the top of that float. Oh, yeah. Little does she know that it will be her undoing. (laughs) Meanwhile, Amber and Leslie are riding in the car behind them, just getting fucking pelted with the fumes from this parade float. Oh, they're inhaling that mm-hmm. into their lungs. Mm-hmm. So Gladys then lights these sparklers that are on the side of the float because it's supposed to make make it look like the swan is is gliding on a a lake of fire question mark. Um, yeah, what? <laughs> and of course these sparklers end up like catching on fire. The whole float explodes like a fucking mushroom cloud it's crazy there is chaos the crowd runs and we actually see the explosion from i thought was like a very cool pov it's from behind when becky and leslie are sitting in like the car behind them Mm -hmm. and they're looking at the camera and i think right before amber says yeah this isn't quite how i pictured it and then it's like (laughs) giant explosion right behind them yeah So the crowd is running everywhere. There's chaos. Becky has been torched. She has been burnt to a crisp. There's no surviving that. Gladys is running around. She's like, Becky, Becky, get up. Baby, we got to go to state. So even, even in this moment, she still has her eyes on the prize. And Gladys just kind of ends up losing it. She yells at the crowd that's obviously staring at her. And she's like, oh, you're just, this is just a town full of losers. And then she points at Amber and she's like, that should have been you, you white trash. That should have been you dead on that float. I should have killed you when I had the chance, just like (gasps) I did to Tammy. Oh, my God. Whoa. So then Lester runs up to get her to shut up. 
cops run over, but not only cops, because it's the fucking TV show Cops that is there to film, which I thought was a great little thing that they <laughs> put in. I totally missed that. Yeah, so the cops run up to arrest her, and then they show the other camera crew, and the guy is wearing oh, a hat yes. that says cops. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, That's too funny. Which I thought was a great, a great thing they included, because multiple times through the movie, people are like, oh, are you from Cops? Yeah. Is Cops filming here again? Yeah. Um, Funny info about this director. He actually directed a bunch of episodes of Reno 911. Oh, wow. Yeah. There we go. So. So as the cops are arresting Gladys, they're taking her away. She decides to throw uh, Lester under the bus and she's like, you should arrest him. Like he sells reproductions. All of his furniture is as fake as my orgasms. Oh. So. Wow, wow, wow. Yes. And the meanwhile, the doc crew is like, hey, hey, hey good up? to see How you guys again. Doing? <laughs> so we go to Becky's funeral. Iris is now the acting chairman, and she takes the tiara off of Becky's coffin <laughs> and puts like, it on Amber. Do the you new have to American do this here? princess. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, like, you know, I don't like Becky at all. She obviously is like a murderer. But I'm like, mm-hmm. damn, right at her funeral. That's cold. <laughs> yeah. And Loretta's like, Amber, what's wrong? And she's like, I didn't want to win like this. <laughs> and Loretta's like, you're a good person and good things happen to good people. And Amber's like, really? And she's like, well, no, you're just really lucky, but you might as well enjoy it. So, And again, this is where I kind of thought the movie was going to end, but it doesn't. No. Keeps on going. Psych. So in the trailer park, Amber tells the crew that she never liked Becky, but she didn't deserve to die in the belly of a swan and says that the whole thing is just kind of sad and lame at the same time. Yeah. And that's when Loretta comes up and is like, Amber, you got a letter and it's a packet from state because she is now going to compete for Miss Minnesota. They look at the itinerary and they're like, oh, my God, I get, like, a consultation with a makeup artist. There's a choreographer. But the most exciting thing, they get to stay at the airport. Howard Johnson. What? Oh, my God. So oh my exciting. God. And Amber's like, oh, my God, I only have four days to pack. Gotta go. And they run into the house. LOL. So we see this montage of Amber practicing in the yard. She is walking down the street doing her tapping, tapping in the funeral home, tapping in the cafeteria, tapping in her mom's hospital room. <laughs> I love Amber. I'm just like rooting yeah. for Amber oh, constantly. Yeah. Totally. And then finally they arrive at the pageant. There's a huge sign that says, Welcome American Teen Princess Fried Clam Platter, $9.99. It's a pretty good deal. Yeah. And Amber walks into the room where the other girls and everyone are like staring at her. And the pageant directors ask who she is. And she's like, Oh, I'm Amber. I'm from the Mount Rose American Teen Princess pageant. And they're like, That's funny. You don't look dead. <laughs> and <laughs> these women, Colleen and Terry, Loved are the them. Minnesota. I know they're a riot. I kind of wish that we got more of them because yeah. they were incredible. <laughs> yeah, they kind of nailed it. 
And they are the Minnesota Teen American. No. They are the Minnesota American Teen Princess State Board and the co-founders of the Minnesota Modeling Academy. (laughs) Fucking swindlers. (laughs) I know. Snake oil salesmen. Meanwhile, Loretta is like flirting with the men at the bar. I have to talk about the scene because she's like sitting at the bar and this guy is there and and she starts flirting with him and she's like, oh, you're, you're married. And then like beckons over to the bartender and she's like hey if uh if you pop this like if you catch this thing in your mouth i'll uh give you a prize yeah and it's like throws like an olive or something and he catches it and she's like come here and like kisses him on the <laughs> lips <laughs> the riz on loretta yeah. <laughs> she got the unbelievable. <laughs> yeah oh my god so the ladies are like, due to lack of funding, you won't be staying over tonight. You'll be performing in eight hours. Devastating. Yeah. So the ladies begin to rehearse. They interview Terry and Colleen. Who are getting bombed, by the way. Like, Yeah, by like the pool. Yeah. And then Colleen feels like a splash from the pool. And she yells at the kids. And she's like, stop with the fucking Marco Polo before I rip your fat little heads off. Jesus Christ. So that's a little bit about them. Yeah. That's just a little tidbit about them. And Amber is just like getting ready, but she sees the other contestants in their gorgeous gowns and like clearly have more experience. So And the one girl with like giant boobs. Oh yeah, the girl sitting next to her. Yeah. And then Amber turns to the film crew and she's like, Well, I have a little secret weapon of my own. And then shows us her Vaseline and she goes, <laughs> She's like Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> oh, Amber. She's so out of her league here, but I love her. Oh, my gosh. So there's then like a little luncheon situation, and there's this huge seafood buffet. I would be all over that. Let me tell you, I would be like <laughs> one of everything, three of everything, please. I will take it all. Lobster off. tail, another lobster tail. Yeah. Oh, you another got crab tail. legs? Oh, you got oysters? Hand them over. So everybody is loading up on the shellfish, all the contestants, the film crew members. And Amber is like, oh, none for me. I don't eat shellfish. My mother always said, don't eat anything that carries its home around with it. You don't know the last time it's been cleaned. So true, Quan. Yeah, I'm like, that's fair. She <laughs> kind of got me there. <laughs> she then goes and talks to uh, Miss Minneapolis Who's like, oh yeah, I've been in 35 pageants, and my most memorable was Miss Teen America in Vegas, where my roommate did Adam West. And then there's like a little thing on the screen that says like Mr. West was unavailable for comment. That's when we see all of the girls get up and rehearse their talents. So we see Little Falls is playing the violin, this other girl sings opera, another girl's dancing. Like these girls are clearly a lot more talented than Amber is. Like Amber's yeah. good, but she's it's just a different league. Opera yeah. singers. Like it's a whole other mm-hmm. thing. So Amber's like, oh man, like I should just go home now. Now it's time for Miss Minneapolis to get up. And she's about to start her performance when she's like, oh no, I need a minute. And everybody thinks it's just nerves, but she ends up puking on stage. Yeah. 
and thus begins a nightmare. It's like, what was that mockumentary show, American? Oh, American Vandal. American yeah. Vandal, the <laughs> shitting scene. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> insane. And we see like all of the girls like leaning over the different um like the levels levels yeah. of the hotel and just like <laughs> so in the news we see a reporter telling us that today a beauty pageant turned ugly and we see clips of all the contestants puking due to a salmonella outbreak from unrefrigerated shellfish joining them is david richardson a member of the film crew and he's like I've never seen anything like it. And I live in LA. <laughs> and I'm like, that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> so Ed, the sound guy, and the contestants are wheeled out to go to the hospital. Amber Atkins is crowned the winner. And they ask her how she feels. And she's like, I need to take a shower. <laughs> and then she tells them she wishes her mom was there. And she and Loretta do wave and Annette is waving back in the hospital. So it's sweet. So it's in, it's in this scene that has, or like, I guess the, the scene right before this, it has my favorite joke probably in the whole movie. Oh yeah. So as everyone is fucking throwing up, puking their guts out, Loretta comes out of a room with the bartender and she's like, do you think they hurt us? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's why everybody's throwing up. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> So that was my favorite joke. It was like so small, but I like physically laughed out loud when I heard that. I was like, that's incredible. Because oh um, then also on the the news report when Amber is like waving to her mom, Loretta's like, hey, Annette, I got some. Yeah. <laughs> oh, too good. Love Loretta. And then you think the movie ends there, but it doesn't. No. Guess Keeps again. going. <laughs> So we then cut to a uh, jail where the crew has gone to interview Gladys. She does not want to do an on-camera interview, so she does one over the phone. And she's like, you know, all I have to say is, is that Amber, she better watch her back at Nationals because I'm making friends on the inside and they have friends on the outside. So oh <laughs> I think we also we also see like a clip of her in jail and – I can't remember exactly what happens, but I think it's, like, insinuated that she's somebody's bitch. There's something happening there. Yeah. Let me see if I can find it. I can't remember, but there's something of, like, somebody ends up, like, smacking her ass or something. I can't remember what happens. She's like, yeah, friends who blah, blah, blah. And then a female prisoner goes, get your sweet ass off the bunk, Cinnamon. And Gladys is like, gotta go. Mm. There we go. So that's what happens there. We go back to Amber. Loretta and Annette throw a celebratory barbecue for Amber. Annette is trying to open a beer with her hook hand and just ends up like piercing it and like holding it over a glass. But she's like, I got it. And everyone claps for her. I did think she was just going to shotgun it. Me too. I <laughs> yeah. thought so too. So there's this town event that's celebrating Amber. Like it's very sweet. Everyone cheers for her. And then we go to... Lincoln, Alabama. Mm. Amber arrives at Sarah Rose headquarters. All the girls are there. They like show up in this big coach bus, but the building has been seized and is up for lease. Oh my God. And then we see 
In its 50th year, Sarah Rose Cosmetics was seized by the IRS for tax evasion. The pageant was canceled permanently. (sighs) Yeah. And then another caption, but in its passing, we are inspired by the spirit of many young women who were its heart and soul and the many who gave up their lives in pursuit of the title. And the girls just like bash in the windows. Mm. They fucking tear down the Sarah Rose like logo statue. Yeah. That place is going to be defiled. Oh, yeah. I do. I love a good display of female rage. Um, And I think that this this was like a great kind of like cap off to it where it's like, oh, we fucking went through hell to get here and now it's just done. So they fucking tear down the institution that made them suffer. So I enjoyed that. That was great to see. And then Amber walks back on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> she does she does no tearing. She doesn't uh yeah. she doesn't destroy anything. Doesn't feel passionately about it. Yeah. And then we get our, our little coda at the end where we get a, a where are they now, if you will. Mm-hmm. Leslie Miller entered the uh Chaska School of Beauty and was working her way through as an exotic dancer. Yes, ma'am. She was last heard from somewhere in the Philippines. If you see her, please call 1-800-X-QUEEN. And I was like, damn, that is so sad. That's a sad ending for her. I feel like they didn't need to do that to Leslie. I wanted to see her end up happy somewhere. Yeah. At least safe somewhere. We then also see that Harold Vilms died unexpectedly of Lyme disease from a deer tick bite, which left Hank the store. Gladys Lehman entered a statewide prison beauty pageant and came in second. And then she escaped from the prison. She did. And we see we see this crazy sequence where she's like on the roof of a grocery store with a mm-hmm. fucking shotgun. And there's like a six-hour police standoff as she's trying to kill Amber from the roof of the grocery store. And then a local reporter was struck by a stray bullet right in front of Amber. So what does Amber do? She picks up that mic. She picks up that mic and she goes off to finish that report. And because of her moxie, Amber was given the job. And now Amber is a reporter for the... TV WAZB Twin Cities. There you go. And that's Drop Dead Gorgeous. Wowie. It's a crazy, it's a crazy movie. <laughs> it's pretty all over the place, just like content-wise, but mm-hmm. I think it really works. Yeah. And I think like one of the things I really like about Kirsten Dunst is that whenever she plays a character who's just doing like Like, I think Bring It On is, like, very comedic, very crazy, like, shit happens where you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And she always plays it such a grounded way Mm -hmm. where I'm like, yeah, this is her life. Oh, totally. This is super realistic. Like, I'm with her every step of the way. And I just love seeing her in this role. I thought it was fantastic. Oh yeah, she she was really great. I I really enjoy her comedic performances. I kind of wish that mm-hmm. she did more of them. And I know she's in like a very different phase of her career now, 
um oscar winch did she win she won right no No, who won i think her husband won but i don't think she won let me check oh was it ariana debose is that who won oh i think so because it would have been best 94th academy awards because was she nominated for best supporting yep for west side story there we go so she didn't Mm -hmm. win but she was nominated and she's you know a very talented actress and I love getting to see her flex her comedic chops because she's great at it. Even though she does play like a little bit more of the straight man in this movie. Yeah. Which like you need. You got to have some balance with all these like other crazy characters. But as an ensemble, like there really isn't a weak spot in this cast. Like everybody is so fucking on top of it. They're so sharp. They're so like out of this world wacky, but very specific Mm -hmm. in who they are. So it didn't feel like wishy-washy at all. I felt like I had a really good grasp on who all these people were, even though they were, you know, extremely eccentric. Oh, yeah. I think if it was a less talented ensemble, it would have fallen apart really easily. Totally, yeah. This this script would have crumbled. And um, it does make me sad that it didn't really get the love that it probably deserved back in the day, but that is why it has achieved the cult status that it has today. Even though, like, I do wish that the satire was more pointed instead of just, like, general. And, like, in some ways, it made me think about Buffon, which is, like, a a style of French clowning that I studied in college, where the kind of thesis of it, as I was taught, was that the Buffon, like, are the lowest of the low. They're, like, not even really part of society. Therefore, they make fun of everybody because they are uh, the absolute lowest status. So, like, everything is fair game. And so I kind of felt like that in this movie a little bit. But then at some points, just like, especially with my cultural understanding of now, there are things that just did not work for me. Like the stuff with Hank was really hard to watch. That just kind of like made me sad. And there were some moments that it didn't feel like punching up. It did feel like punching down. But I do think having the knowledge that this was written by somebody who did grow up in like a small town in Minnesota who did do pageants. Like this is more of a firsthand experience that is being satirized is like important context to have. So Mm -hmm. yeah, there, there are great things in this movie. There's some parts that don't work quite as well for me, but overall I did really, really like it. Yeah. I think one of the big takeaways from the movie is also just like everything seems so important yeah when you're a teen and everything you do is like gonna have major consequences but it's sometimes like no this is something you're doing for the moment and like amber every time she gets to go further in the competition she's like excited but ultimately the competition isn't what gets her to where she wants to be it's luck and coincidence yeah totally so yeah but i did really like the movie i also just like movies that have um i thought the like female perspective was very strong and the idea of like growing up in a small town being like how can i leave here yeah (laughs) and the pacing was really good until the the jilted end where it's like we're we're finishing the movie no we're We're not still going we're still going But I would definitely watch it again. Oh, yeah, definitely. For sure, for sure. And I think it's – I would definitely recommend it to people. I think it's, like, an important 
movie to to look back on, especially because it was so tonally different to all the other teen movies that came out in like 99. Like I think about She's All That or 10 mm-hmm. Things I Hate About You. Like this totally has something different that I feel is maybe almost more akin to like an 80s movie. Mm, interesting. There was a Teen Vogue article that I like perused about Drop Dead Gorgeous and it did actually compare those specific mm-hmm. movies. One of the big oh, – I can't believe I didn't mention this. One of the biggest things about this movie is that there aren't – there isn't a romantic lead. Like it's just yeah. Amber. Yeah. And obviously there's like that brief flirtation with Brett, but he, it's not even like on her radar really. Totally, yeah. And it's about her and her life mm-hmm. and not about like this romance that she gets caught into. It's not about anyone else, um, which is pretty unique. Yeah, there's only, like, two male characters in the whole movie, practically, like, two or three. Yeah. So, that I that I really liked. If I want romance, I'm going to go to other movies for that. There's no shortage, but... Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I like that they didn't feel the need to, like, shoehorn anything like that in there, because it just isn't necessary. Mm-hmm. It doesn't serve the narrative in any way, so... Yeah, message to all the writers out there. Sometimes there doesn't need to be a romantic lead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, on that note, should we give her a rating? Yeah, I'm going to go with – I'm going to give it a 7.5. I was also going to give it a 7.5. Twins. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah, I I liked it a lot. I definitely recommend. Um, I can't tell you where to watch it. I found no legal ways to watch it. <laughs> but if you want to watch That's it – That's not to say we watched it illegally. I'm not saying anything. Yeah. Maybe you own the DVD. Yes. Maybe your local library has the DVD. Ooh, yeah. Maybe you've ordered the DVD from Netflix. I don't know if that's still included in subscriptions. Can you? I think you can order it, but I think you have to pay for it. That company is so confusing to me. Yeah. Whoa. But I think it's like a totally like separate Mm. from the streaming Gotcha. Because um, that's what it used to be, but – Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One last thing before we hop off. Mm-hmm. Um, we have both, as a New Year's resolution, yes. decided to use Letterbox when we watch movies. So follow us on Letterboxd if you'd like. Yeah. It also might give you a sneak peek to what's uh, coming up next. Coming up? Yeah. But if you'd like to follow me on Letterboxd, I am IDK Christina. And I am Princeton Girl GRL818. <laughs> the, the superior <laughs> username, obviously. Yes. Um, and also a reminder that our Patreon episode came out today. So if you want to listen to our Stick It episode, head on over to our Patreon. It is five bucks a month and we have lots of cool perks. So be sure to check it out. But yeah, before we log off, just want to remind you if you want a little more extra content, you can always follow us on Instagram at Movies That Raised Us. You can follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us Pod, and you can send us a good old fashioned email at Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com. And we will see you next week for another movie. Yeah. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.